Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Tuesday, special edition at the Battlemore Broadcast Center as we'll be on the road rest of the week. Thomas and Max tomorrow for UNLV men's game. Then uh, Thursday, our home on Thursdays is Silver Sevens Friday at Treasure Island. Also coming live from Reno. John Montobel is the company today. Ari is here as well as we have a bunch of good stuff to get into today. But first, I feel like a bunch of you guys have been gone for a while. It's like a I'm bringing you back in the fold. So John was out for a while. Uh, Willie came back last week after you know dark room. So I was asking how Willie was. So I'll start out this show. You went to California, and uh, oh man, how about that California weather, dude? That was a nightmare. <laughs> for, like there is so there was a blizzard warning. There was the first blizzard warning I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, the weather was nuts, and so we drive. My wife, uh, my wife's family lives in. Um, the Fresno area. It's about, uh, say, like 40 minutes north of Fresno. And we went down to L.A. to take the kid out and do some other stuff, the oldest kid. The drive to Fresno, the initial drive into California, was all like like wind, just like 30, 40-an-hour gusts, driving with my wheel like to the right the entire time because the wind was just was blowing. Oh, it was crazy. It, yeah. was, it was insane. And then we go down to L.A., we do our thing. On our way back up to the Fresno area, it was just dumping rain never stopped i couldn't go usually the the route would be just go down what is the 99 into the five and then get to la that route was available on the way there on the way back i had to go up the coast through santa barbara and then i think it was uh, poncho something and then cut across central california and it was just dumping rain the whole time there was freeways that were closed it was crazy. It was crazy. We were going to leave on Sunday, but the 58, because, you know, through Tehachapi got closed as well because of blizzard conditions. And I think there was like a snow bank that they had to get rid of or something like that. The weather's fine, though. Everything's good. Our planet seems as healthy as ever. <laughs> that was crazy. I feel like you've never driven in inclement weather. Um, I've driven in inclement, inclement weather before, but it's just the, the, the fact that it was from L.A. to Fresno, the same weather. And just a torrential downpour the entire time. That was the part that was like just crazy. Like I actually, I handle driving and that stuff a lot better, you know, because I'm calm. Uh, my wife bit off her fingernails essentially because she was just freaking out the entire time. Yeah. So like I've driven in inclement weather before. Uh, there have been times where we'd made that drive up and, you know, we got stuck between the Hotchby and Barstow because the freeway got closed down. So we had to, st- we had to stay out in Barstow one time. So I, like I've been a part of it because that route has been a part of my life now for the last like 11, 12 years. But that kind of stuff, that was pretty crazy, man. Like, that was like going 50, 45 miles an hour for like a good 30-minute stretch because you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you. It was wild. Yep. We're totally spoiled here. You know, people who are, you know, Vegas natives or Nevada natives or California. I mean, California does get weather with, with, uh, unfortunately, with earthquakes. It's funny. Mm -hmm. The other day, uh, boy, this is, I guess I can make this in a long story. Anyway, uh, first world problems. We had a a backup refrigerator blow out. Like I get a big, you know, drink refrigerator in the garage. So it blows out. And I'm like, inconveniences. Right. So I had a bunch of frozen mugs in there. I didn't realize how many I had. I've got like 25. And so I brought them inside. I'm like, where do I put these? So I put them up on top of the cabinets. You know, there's a little room mm-hmm. on top of the cabinets. They don't go to the, you know, I'm not super wealthy. So they don't go to the top, you know, the super long cabinets that go to the ceiling. So I put all the glasses up there and the SO, my girlfriend was like, wow, that's really weird because in California you would never do that. And I'm like, why? She's like mm-hmm. earthquakes. 
Oh. Like you would never put breakables on top of cabinets because yeah. you know, all of a sudden it starts shaking and everything gets destroyed. Well, I never thought of that. that. <laughs> we, nor, we used nor to have... had I because there's in the Northeast, there are no earthquakes. Right. Well, and for me, like when I was in my younger days, right, you would do the thing where you collect your empty bottles of alcohol and you'd put them up on top of the cabinets for decoration or whatever. I'd never thought of that before. Yes. Yes. We learn huh. things from each other. New experiences. I'm not going to put stuff up there anymore. Based on our past experiences, now you're worried about the earthquake here. Maybe yeah, every once them. in a while, it right. might happen. That'll be the story six months from now. Like, oh, my glasses broke. So we I closed out yesterday's show in a really weird fashion. I had no idea what Adam Hill was talking about. He tried to tell a joke or read a joke. Can uh, we have John listen to this? I have a really out of context question to ask you before we get out of here. Do it. What did the linebacker say to the flight attendant? I don't know, Adam. Put me in, coach. Linebacker, say to the put me. Well, it's put me in put coach. Put me in coach. But your delivery was terrible. Yeah, but it's put me in coach because it's a sports reference. Okay. Was I think he found it on some Tom Brady page because he read a report yesterday that Tom Brady was getting into stand up comedy and we never really got to the topic. He was ready to go on a rant, he was livid. And then off the air, he's like, How dare he? That is so insulting. You know how hard comedy is, and Tom Brady thinks he's just going to walk out there and start doing comedy? Okay, so first off, Adam should never do comedy. <laughs> the delivery ruined that joke. I kind of feel – I think his excuse would be I delivered it like Tom Brady would, and okay. the timing would be off, and Brady won't be funny. Because the delivery is just supposed to be, like, normal. Put me in coach. You're supposed to, as the joke, make that, like, oh, I get it. Like, get mm-hmm. it? Okay. Um, but uh, So, look, Adam's a comedy snob, though. Much like there are people out there who like sniff their wine before they drink it, Adam Adam finds himself as like some comedy. Uh, what's the term? Sommelier. He's like a comedy, comedy sommelier. sommelier. Right. But I love your reference. There are people out there. There are snobs who sniff their wine. Right. I mean, I actually think it's part of the enjoyment. I'm not a wine person. But like the people who like stick their nose and like, yeah. I smell hints of redwood and rose I, petals. Like, no, you I, don't. I actually got. Uh, somehow I got into, I actually followed up on a couple of questions, but someone was mentioning a good wine to me and that they went out and bought some cheese. So I was like, let me go down this path. And at one point I called the person bougie and they were like, F off. (laughs) Like, I'm kidding. If you like your expensive wine with certain kinds of cheese, I just want, I was actually more into the cheese. I was like, maybe I find some new cheeses from this fella. So, but I got a F. F off. That's where Adam's rage comes from. And yeah. I would say, like, to a certain extent, I, I agree with the premise. But but it's weird because, like, did Adam feel this rage when we found out? And I don't remember, so I'm not accusing him of anything. Did, did he feel this rage when we found out that he was going to go straight into broadcasting? Because that was my thought when it came to Tom Brady going to broadcasting. Like, he just gets to leap to the top? He just gets to come in and be like, oh, I'm Tom Brady. Of course I could be the number one play-by-play guy. I think for- he feels much more strongly about comedy. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I think if, it's the if same you, premise. Uh, I always love to go down this path and just get myself in further trouble. I think if you poll most writers and newspaper people, they they don't think there's anything wrong with jumping right into broadcasting because they all think they can do it. Oh, 100%. And there are so few who can. Yes. And there are so few that we book on the show because most of them have been horrible. Well, I think Adam says it, right? McAfee, one of their bits is to get newspaper writers on because they can't talk. Right. <laughs> they, like, I know it, a bunch. It, it is a bit because he was telling me something about they needed a Raiders person. And, you know, we started mentioning writers, and I'm like, yeah, that person's not good. And then he's like, no, that's part of the bit. They want them to come on and be terrible. Right. So, to your point, there's a lot of people who think in writing that they could jump into broadcasting, no problem, because they know the information. They think it's easy to just talk. But I would agree, like, I I can understand any rage 
I also don't know if Tom Brady's I, like it's the same problem with this broadcasting thing. I don't know if he's actually going to be like gregarious and funny. The little bits that we've seen have been fine, but you know, a heavily scripted movie, which the lines are written for him, and they have a bunch of takes. Like, yeah, he was great in Ted too. He had like one line. I don't know if he would be funny as a comedian. So as it turns out, he's not going to stand up. Oh man, I radar online because he was asking me. I think on air or off, he's like, "Have you heard of this site?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have." I mean, they break stories here and there, but you know, he's he's not going into comedy to be a stand up comedian. I think they're entertaining a roast. TMZ says there could be a roast of, of Tom Brady on the way, or Tom Brady could be involved. So there's the update. He's not going to be a stand up comedian. He's also not putting off his 10 year, $375 million deal with Fox to, to become a stand up comedian. On the way back, let, let's continue with this theme of showing respect for others and their crafts. Boy, oh boy, I'm so done with, or I was. The load management topic around the NBA, because I thought it was just something coming out of the break that was just lazy time. People were like, I don't know what football to talk, so let's just start bashing the current day NBA. But it's back again, and it's because Charles Barkley was on with Stephen A. Smith and just unloaded on the players of today. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Charles Barkley, but Charles is another one. Charles can't talk. It seems like whatever's going on in Charles' mind don't match what's coming out of his mouth. Like, Charles, what do you think about Shaq getting traded to the Phoenix Sun? The Phoenix Sun, uh, let me tell you something. Shaquille on now, and he's, let me, Kobe Bryant, for the pause, for the pause. He started throwing his that ain't got nothing to do with basketball. Chris McCream donut, it's round like a round. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Who doesn't love to do Barkley impressions, right? That's Ari Spears, comedian, talking about Barkley, kind of being all over the place. But here's the thing about Charles Barkley, what he says does inspire debate, and it does matter, and it does have an impact. Mm -hmm. And while those of us who love doing radio and these talk shows compile topic after topic after topic, right? There's a lot of good stuff to talk about right now post-football, and there's lots of football to talk about. I feel like the load management thing is going back to the well when you're not prepped. But then part of me is like, all right, it, it is still an issue. And I did it a little bit last week. And I kind of know where you're on this, and I've changed a little bit, and I'll get into that. But Barkley went on with Stephen A. Smith, and you'll hear Stephen A. introduce it, the load management topic. And then, man, Barkley, I, I just think, like, there's a message here, but the constant slamming of today's players just skews the message from the get-go. And I yeah. don't want to offend anybody, but we're, we're paying, because we're paying bombs today, Stephen A., and you know yeah. it. Yeah, we're paying, we're, hey, you got me, hey, yeah. listen. And I yeah. don't want to offend anybody, but we're we're paying janitors, we're playing plumbers, <laughs> we we just giving we're just giving two or three hundred billion dollars out like candy, man. I think that is so stupid. And I mean, I and then Stephen A is like, "You got me, really." They're paying janitors, they're paying bums, two and three hundred million dollars for contracts. Come on, guys. 
so, I mean, so that one, that does not sound like load management. That sounds like no. bitterness from Charles Barkley. Oh, they're they're, they're going to get to it, but yeah. that was part of the conversation. I'm like, that screws up the whole conversation mm-hmm. when because you're basically setting up a scenario that people don't deserve the money they're getting. Like most of them. That That is an awful way to start a conversation or it, it you know have anywhere in the conversation. So I, I think one of you, you've always hit on this point, right? Which is like former players going into media and then bashing like current players and mm-hmm. how it looks pretty bad. And I, I think this is a really good insight into it because I think some of that stems from Steve, like these guys weren't paid as much as these guys now, right? So you look at guys who are getting some of these $20 million a year contracts, cause that's the market for like an average NBA player. And a, Charles Barkley's looking around and going, what? Like, how come they're getting that much money? Yeah, but you do realize, so let's go back to the late 70s, early 80s, and then, you know, Barkley's coming in in the early 80s. You do realize that they were making record-breaking money, and there were guys who played in the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s who were crapping on them. How did it feel? Or did they just forget? Like, when Pedro started to make massive money when he moved over to the Phillies, or Dave Winfield got a gigantic deal with the Yankees or Larry Bird's deal. Remember remember the whole Magic, um, the whole Perlman documentary on, on HBO? There was a discussion of like Magic being jealous of Bird getting more money. And it was a big deal that Bird was getting this mega contract out of college. Like, it happens with every generation. You're just repeating the same crap that you guys had to hear that you didn't deserve it. Here's the load management part. Is load management in today's NBA a big issue for Sir Charles Buck? It's a huge issue. And Adam, and I love Adam. He's a great so guy. I. He's a great commissioner. So do but I. But I think what, what happened is I think he kind of went overboard trying to take care of the players. I don't think fans get mad if you're making $30, $40, 50000000 million if you play basketball every night. But you can't make $30, 40 $50 million and then sit out games. Okay. So is this they make a lot of money topic or is this what about the kids who pay for tickets topic? Which one is it? Can, mm-hmm. can we can we pick one angle here? Because now this is, hey, the average fan sees these people making lots of money and wonders why they're not working all the time. So here's here's the problem with this topic every time. And I was actually just asked about this today on an interview. Uh, over on VSIN. The premise is always wrong. So let's take Kawhi Leonard, for example. Actually, Kawhi Leonard's a bad example. So we'll go with any other player, Giannis, okay? Giannis sits out games and rests because the medical staff says this is the optimal time for Giannis Antetokounmpo to rest. Giannis does not go to Mike Budenholzer and go, I don't want to play tonight. These are decisions that are made by the medical staffs. Well, with but with Giannis, that do we know that's the case with everyone? So that's why. Does Kawhi Leonard have autonomy to make the decision? Does Kyrie Irving have the ability to go, you know what, I'm sitting out? Because we're seeing a lot of, hey, guys are missing hmm? games for personal reasons. Then you're like, okay, is someone sick in their family? Is there a problem with them? Then you don't want to you know, delve into that. So do we, like, who has final say on when you play and how often you play? Well, so that's why I wanted to, that's why I wanted to leave Kawhi Leonard out because there was a story behind that one, right? But so for the most part, when players sit, and that's the other part, when they sit, it is noted like knee soreness, whatever it is. Like you can read an injury report and realize why a guy is sitting and for whatever reason it is. You know, the personal reasons are always different. Fred Van Vliet just missed a couple of games due to personal reasons. Turns out he just had his third kid. 
right? They didn't they didn't list paternity leave, but that was the reason why he did it. It's never really listed as personal reasons and it's load management. There's always an injury associated to it. I think it's a league rule that it has to be the case. I would say from everything I have read, the vast majority of cases are the medical staffs telling you this is when you should sit players. I balked at Kawhi Leonard because at the beginning of this year, I don't know if you remember the first two or three games he came off the bench for the Los Angeles Clippers. Ty Lue, because that was Kawhi's people who wanted him to come off the bench. Ty Lue was well-reported after a couple of games told them, we're not doing that. We're doing what our medical staff is telling us to do. I'm not, because Lue told a story about during a game, somebody tapped him on the shoulders like, hey, Kawhi's got to get in. And he's like, what? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, okay. Like, yeah, sure, I'll throw him in here at this point. And what happened, though, by the way? Kawhi Leonard actually got injured again. And he missed a lot of time at the beginning of the year because of it. So now they're on the medical staff's schedule by all accounts. And Kawhi Leonard has been resting on back-to-backs, but he's also been playing a lot more. And by the way, if you haven't watched Kawhi Leonard, he's playing some really good basketball at this point right now. So I always think, just starting with the question of load management, it is, I will say, nine and a half times out of ten. Because I'm sure there's stars out there potentially that are doing maybe what Kawhi Leonard did. But nine times out of ten, it is these medical staffs who are saying, X, Y, and Z, this is the optimal time to rest these guys because of these issues, and this is what we're going to do. And guys like Steph Curry and others have actually come out and said that is the case. They don't choose when to rest. It is the staff that does it. So I'll say this feels like a new topic of like the last five or six years. I basically think it's a reinvention of one of the number one sports talk topics on radio and amongst the fans, and that is these guys make too much money. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could do that. Because before this, when you didn't have a load management to get on, it was – Oh boy, this guy's making that much money and look at how little productivity he throws out there. So all, all it is is a shifting of the narrative, which is many of us doing sports talk radio and probably many more fans are jealous of athletes and the money they make. And that wouldn't be an issue if we didn't know. Like, does everyone know every broadcaster's salary, radio and TV? Because that's my favorite part is when I hear load management talk from, say, sports talk radio hosts, right? And you're like, man, you've, you're getting on a guy for not playing games. You have six weeks of vacation. Um, do you ever do a Friday show? Like what? What? Wait a second. You're criticizing someone for not working as much as they can to fulfill their contract. Seriously. The media member who takes two weeks off after a long football season, right after the Super Bowl, and whatnot. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, uh, I just came back from vacation. I wrote all the time, every day while I, I noticed, was out there. I, I noticed the mention, uh, the, uh, the the story you sent to me had vacation in quotes. I'm like, I must have done some work while he was in California with his kids. I got yelled at. I was like, sorry. I'm like, I got to do it. Like, Oh, boy. It's, yeah, it's that, that, that doesn't go over well in the home front, no. right? You never have off for real. You're always working. By the way, so to your point, too, about yeah. like jealousy and everything, it ties back to like some of these former players. I was amazed. Look, so his Phoenix contract, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Barkley, over this lifetime of the contract, it was $14 million. Yeah. Terrence Mann is about to make 10.5 yeah. next year. No, there's no, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt there's a jealousy. But guess what? Charles, there's a jealousy from lots of us in broadcasting. How much money do you make? Mm-hmm. How ill-prepared are you for some of these broadcasts? I mean, I guess it's the bit. But do you know anyone in the NBA beyond the top 40 players? Mm-hmm. It works. But... I mean, if we wanted to apply the same standards, we could. I mean, I love Stephen A. Smith. He's one of my favorite media members out there. How many times has Stephen A. Smith been caught with his pants down in terms of just general information about players who play for certain teams? Yeah, he's overcommitted. Right. He's definitely overcommitted. But he's sitting there like, yeah, 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 yeah. You got me. <laughs> They're all bums. 
Now, there, there is a legit, uh, legit discussion. John got into it about NBA players taking off and, and on the, the fan side of things and the ticket price side of things and the ratings, you know, actually sitting down for a game. And then you're like, wait, who's not playing? Like, when did they announce that? Five minutes ago. Uh, but here's Barkley finishing this portion of uh, his complaints about loads ma- load management and today's NBA. I mean, listen, it ain't like we should work it in a steel mill, brother. I mean, if people work in a steel mill every day, I'm pretty sure they're tired too. Yeah. But they go to work every day. Uh, so, yeah, I think load management is a big deal. And, and listen, and I don't know the right or wrong answer, Stephen A. Yeah. Because I heard Steve Kerr said go down in games. Yeah, I don't have the answer either. I don't. There's going to be a battle between the league and the Players Association. And then, like you said, there's a medical part of this. Believe me, when when this kid, Victor Webanyama, is in the NBA, it is going to be fascinating to see how the team who gets him manages him because he is – I'm not going to say coddled. It is very scientific what they're doing him and getting him prepared mm-hmm. for the NBA. And then, of course, there is the flip side of this where we have seen guys. Okay, let me throw it out there now. We're going to talk about LeBron being hurt. Why isn't every conversation the last two days, or especially you know the last day since we found out about LeBron's injury, why isn't every conversation about load management laced with, my God, LeBron James is an effing hero? Because that's what you're asking for, right? You want guys to go out there and play through injuries. Well, guess what happens when you do that? You get hurt more. And now he's down for two weeks, and now the Lakers season may be over. But we should be, you know, exalting at the injured foot of LeBron James. Like, he plays! But I don't hear that positive stuff about LeBron as part of this story about load management. Like, he's the anti-load management guy. And he does take some breaks, and mm-hmm. I actually think that's helped his longevity. But he doesn't take – man, he's not taking 35 games off. No. But I never hear the positives of the guys who do play all the time. And LeBron – and, and the, the cautionary tales, like LeBron. I was listening to Ryan Hollins today with Doug Gottlieb over on uh, Fox Sports Radio, our sister station, 1340 and 98.9 FM. And Ryan Hollins, who's kind of – you know, he's closer to the current-day players than Barkley. And he he walked a fine line. I thought he did it really well. And he's like, Hey, here are some cautionary tales about guys who tried to play through injuries and screw themselves. Like Brandon Roy is probably the, the worst one. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that guy should have played for a long time, but he had a, a bad knee injury. Isaiah Thomas, little Isaiah Thomas never wound up getting paid because he tried to play through whatever the hip the injury hip was. And there's been other guys. He, he went like, you know, hardcore, um, you know, with like a guy like Sean May, who was a, you know, kind of a big 250 guy at six, eight that he got misdiagnosed and, you know, they thought it was one injury. Then it was a micro fracture. Like there, there is a, a science to it and we can listen to the science. I know it's frustrating and I do see the side of, Hey, I show up, I just bought a ticket. It's the one ticket I can afford all year. It cost me 111 bucks a ticket for just decent seats. You know, I'm bringing four people and then I get there and both sides have two of their stars out. That sucks. So I think there's there's two things to this and maybe we can expand on it later because it is a big topic. But the first thing is I want to make clear from my perspective, I'm not saying like well, rest whenever you want. There, there are things the NBA can do that can avoid a lot of this. I have brought up the fact that the NBA should force teams that if they're going to do this load management things, you should schedule two weeks out when you're planning to rest guys. It helps betters, by the way, because you're in bed with sports betting now. It helps fans who want to buy tickets to games. It helps a lot of things, national TV broadcast, whatever it is. You should have to plan out two weeks ahead when you're planning to rest guys. The other part of this too is to your point about like sob stories, if I guess we'll call them, it's not really, it's a negative term. Go back to Christmas, Steve. You know who rushed his way back from a groin injury? Devin Booker, I think it was Christmas, right? Plays against the Nuggets, plays two minutes, 
injures the groin again, was out for two months. He just barely came back a couple of weeks ago. Like that, that is something that is a cautionary tale where you're talking about play through it, be tough. We got a couple of examples where it actually screws these guys over in the long run. Let's give away some tickets right now. We got Bonnie Raitt in town. We always have a great concert ticket. She'll be at the Venetian, 364-1100, Again, at the Venetian, March 15th, 17th, 18th. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But Ari's got a tickets for uh, two tickets for the legendary Bonnie Raitt. 364-1100, caller 7. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Hi, right, Roland, on Cofield and Company, JBT, and myself, Steve Cofield. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota studios. We were just talking about Charles Barkley and talking about load management and suggesting that a bunch of bums are getting two and $300 million contracts. I haven't looked through the list of who has contracts at that level. I don't think it's a bunch of bums. And then Stephen A., in the interview, starts laughing, and he's like, yeah, hey, you got me. I'm like, seriously, come on, guys. Come on. Especially, I mean, Stephen A. played the game at a very low level. Charles Barkley played the game, cut it out. And I, I thought Ryan Hollins over on Fox Sports Radio did a much better job of balancing it. Like, it is a story. But don't start talking about the players now. Stephen A. also talks to some of these athletes yep. every once in a while. Like, it, I, I, guess Barkley, I guess Barkley doesn't. Or no one walks up to Barkley and goes, you know, you're, it's a little bullcrap what you're saying about us as a group. You may want to specify. If you want to point out a couple of guys, go ahead and do it. But don't lump us all in together. They're all, the whole group of two and $300 million contract players are bums and lazy right. and weak and you know want to load manage it's just a weird thing that they do though like it, it goes back to like so i don't know if you saw this clip during the all-star weekend right before the dunk contest where Shaq like is talking to mac mcclung and mcclung says something along the lines of like you know like they know my name and Shaq cuts him off he goes they don't know your name make them know it and i'm kind of like Shaq, he's the most popular guy in the slam dunk contest and there's an argument to be made that mcclung probably has a very, very large following he's, that's compar- comparable to many NBA players. He's been a viral sensation since he was like 16 years old. <laughs> right. But that that's the age gap there. And it's also not putting in the work. And the, here's the thing. Shaq has 500 jobs. Right. No, of course. So it's he's not like going to know thing. who Mac McClung is. And I mean, I guess no in a way Shaq was right. Like to the masses. What do you? What, what was the whole Chris Wood? Uh, the whole casual? Oh, sorry. I'm unfamiliar with your game. And then, yeah, Chris Wood calls him casual. He called Shaq a casual. I mean, for the casuals, they didn't know who Mac McClung is. But for those of us, and I'm old. But for those of us who you know follow basketball on social media, he was all over the place. Right. So he he was known, but you know people they kind of unveil themselves as not paying attention. Hey, there's a lot of stuff I don't I don't pay attention to. Um, so bad news on LeBron James, man. I was getting all fired up. I came in yesterday ready to talk about uh, LeBron and the new depth on the Lakers, like I did with you last week. And I watched that Dallas game. What a freaking comeback! That was great. And LeBron was part of it, mm. but it was the supporting cast that really helped out a lot. And then we see after the game, he's limping around. And as it turns out, he's got a foot injury that'll be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. So he may be out weeks now. Like there's no time. There's no time to endure that kind of injury. Did they add enough depth to be able to at least make the field of 10? Because my hope was, hey, they just beat Dallas. 
Now they're two and a half games behind Dallas. Dallas at that point before that game was in the six hole. Mm. They were 13th. I'm like, they go on a run here with this new team. They're actually in the field. There's no playing. Now what? I don't think they're dead. Like, look, they're a half game out of the play-in right now. So getting there and then you get LeBron James back sometime near the end of the regular season and you're a play-in team, yeah, like you you have a chance to make it into the playoffs. And the teams that are in front of them are not crumbling, but they're not particular like playing particularly great basketball. Pelicans have lost four straight. The Timberwolves have lost three straight. The Trailblazers can't guard anybody. So kind of works for in your favor. You probably shouldn't have lost the game to the Trailblazers, what, about a week ago or so. But either way, it's not an impossible task. The problem, though, you know, like this this Western Conference play-in, I don't know if like if it really looked like the way it could shake out, it could be really loaded. It could be Zion Williamson. We don't know when he's going to come back, but he, you would assume he's going to come back at some point. Yep. It could be the Warriors, the Mavericks, the Pelicans so that the insane. Lakers have to deal with like when yep. they get in there. That, that's that's a wild gauntlet. They're gonna do everything they can to make the six. And the other thing is, like Anthony Davis, the you know last time around he was healthy, mm-hmm. and LeBron was out. He was like every night was like thirty and twenty. I mean, he's got to do that again. And then we'll see how how the depth continues to play. I liked what I saw from Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, I think some of the I think they've balanced out the team that was a very flawed team with you know going to teams that just don't want to compete and like hey we'll take that piece this piece this is going to help us oh I, I think they've made it a lot better I, I would caution anybody who thinks that this is all of a sudden a, you know an NBA championship contender um and, and look without LeBron we only have two games right since they've reconstructed this roster they have played two games without him one of them was that Trailblazers loss that I mentioned they also beat the Warriors that were a little shorthanded their offense has not been good in the two games that LeBron James has not been on the floor with this new look off with this new look roster and I think again that's a short sample size and in the second half the analytical perspective against the Mavericks. They had an offense rating in the second half of 133. It's really good. The Mavericks also stink defensively, and I wouldn't read too much into it. So you're going to find out. They have a game against Memphis tonight. It's going to be a really big litmus test for them because the Grizzlies are the best home defensive team in the NBA. And if they're going to sputter on offense without LeBron James out there to create, I don't know. It's going to be really tough for them. By the way, do you support my guy Chris Wood playing less in February? Excuse me. Going on, your here. guy, he's your guy, too. Okay, but he's what he's what's going on. He's down to 19 minutes again. And that game, he was super efficient. Is he just not good defensively? That's, I think, it's a problem. And it's not even just specifically him. You can't, you can't play him out there with Kyrie and Luca and that, like that group. There's that team, too many weaknesses. There's, if you put those three out there, I think I'll have to look up the exact number for you. But like when, when they put all three of them on the floor together, their defensive rating is nearly 130. It's terrible. So I don't think it's necessarily just Chris Wood's fault. I think it's just like, okay. If you're picking, right, who we're going to cut the minutes into of all the players on this roster, Wood's going to be the guy on the outside looking in. Well, I guess uh, for all the people who complain about load management, at least you know when you buy your tickets to go see LeBron on the road or in L.A., he ain't playing. Okay, so that's the smallest positive. It sucks, though. I wanted to see him down the stretch with this new group of players with the Lakers. I want to come full circle here. Let's, Let's put some thought into this a little bit. Colin Coward did a good job talking about this today. And this is this to me is the bigger problem with the NBA is that the NBA in a lot of ways they're they're in a tough spot. But you have to you you gotta listen to what fans and sometimes what the media is saying and what the perception is. Perception is very important, and you need to make moves to correct perception. As Jalen Hurts and Mahomes are screaming at their coaches to play all banged up, increasingly NBA stars find reasons 
not to play. It's not the end of the world. The truth is David Stern, the late David Stern, would tell people privately, nobody watches us until we get to the playoffs anyway. But when one of the 22 leading scorers has played every game and most have missed 10, 15, you're sending a message. Okay. So you're sending a message. And it's not a good one. Keep going, Herd. And the message is, just like baseball for years sent this message, we don't think your time is valuable. And the game goes four hours. That's a you problem. And people are like, oh, wait, time out. My time is valuable. I have kids. I have, a, I have a job. I can't sit and watch TV. Baseball's messaging was, your time doesn't matter. The NBA's messaging is, you know, stars, they'll play when they want to play. I don't think it should be that way. You can tweak. You may not be able to solve every issue. Okay. So... I don't think Adam Silver is arrogant. I think baseball owners and the commissioners have been arrogant. And I love that point. Baseball's like, yeah, that's a you problem. You, you got to find time to watch us play. No, I don't. Right. I don't. I don't. And there was an arrogance in baseball for the longest time. And, you know, Coward went on to say, uh, baseball is actually trying to tweak. The NBA has got to get off its ass and come up with a solution here from a perception standpoint. At least show fans that you're trying to tweak a little bit. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. They can bring everything. He's a Swiss Army knife. If you're looking for a guy that can be on the penalty kill, that if you're an aggressive team and you want somebody on the forecheck to finish checks, that's Barbie. A guy that can play the left wing, right wing, center. Always been a big part of the penalty kill of the Blues. He's a big part of that. So if you're talking about playoff hockey, I think that's what he is. He's a guy that comes up big in playoffs. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, back here, Cofield and Company. Stop throwing your hands up in the air. We've discussed this before. John Von Tobel, Cofield. Darren Millard is with us. Darren, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Should I throw my hands up in the air? There we are. I can hear you. Hands up. Freak freak out. Live radio. Freak out. Freak out. Uh, That was Darren Pang on the way back talking about. I know. I love Panger. He was was freaking awesome yesterday. He's the nicest guy because a lot of times we call him on short notice, and and he was great. uh, He never has a bad day. Ever. Ever. Well, you know, it was funny. Um, Adam Hill was presenting an angle that Bruce Cassidy never looks like he's in a good mood. And I think Pang was like ready to defend him. And then we finally got to the conclusion that Bruce Cassidy is thinking about hockey all the freaking time. So he there's an outer shell that looks like it's tough to break through. But do you know the story between Panger and Butch? He gave us a lot of the background, but yeah, maybe there's something he didn't tell us. Go no, ahead. well, they go way back. Like yeah. when they were when they were kids, they won a Memorial Cup together. They were uh, Memorial Cup All Stars together. They were uh, uh, at the top of the, the the pinnacle. They were buddies. They they like childhood friends. It's it's amazing that how far they go back. Same organization between the the, the Chicago Blackhawks as a defenseman and a goaltender. They are thick as thieves and uh, and a really good tandem. Uh, one one one's way more outgoing. Uh, Butch is uh, a guy that you gotta get to get to know a little bit, but uh, but uh, they 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 they're really tight. Sounds like Adam Hill and Steve Cofield. It's it's almost like Ari and Steve. 
<laughs> and, and, like, I'm putting Ari in a bad spot because I'm here early. I put my stuff down in the Fox studio, getting ready for the VGK Insider Show. I'm, like, like as, as comfortable as possible. And I walk across, and there's emptiness in your studio. Yeah. Like, nothing, because they're apparently redoing your studio, or you let loose with some kind of soda that uh, destroyed everything. So I ask our receptionist, and I'm like, where is ESPN? And it took a second of the auxiliary studio. So I ran over. I tell Ari, I'm at the front door. He's like, the front door. And I didn't have my headset. So it's it's my fault that he's running around. My fault. And you're all over him. And I want you to apologize to him because <laughs> if you want to be mad at anybody, it's me. And I dare you. I dare you to take me on today. Oh, my God. Show up on time for your spot. <laughs> Show up. On- don't don't even dare me on that one. I, I was I was there. I was there. Nobody told me that you guys were were rearranging the studio like from the ground up. Like there's the tile is out, the carpet's out, everything's out. There's not a stitch of furniture in there. Yeah. Well, and in Ari's defense, he's kind of learning a new board and a new studio. So well, hold on, hold bit- on. What did you just yeah. say? I said in Ari's defense. But you just had his back. I have his back. You know what's this funny? This is great. We, we spent we spent much of the break, John and I, talking about Ari and the stuff he does for us. It doesn't always come over on the air. No, but uh, yeah. Oh, there's, hey, there's a lot hey, going on trust behind me. the scenes when you're, I know when the you're switching a studio because nobody hammers on their producer more than I do. That's right. I am like top, bottom, middle, side, left, right, all over Chris yes. Chapman. But it's right. it's more for the show, and he's incompetent. But it's it's more for the show uh, right, that cool. that I'm all over. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the incompetent part because yeah. Ari actually does a really great job. Oh no, Chapman's totally incompetent. But he's a he's a good sport about it. Yes, he's a good sport. About yeah, it. he's he's a great sport. Uh, it balances out the incompetence. Yeah, sure. yeah, it, yeah. It, you know what? It does. And I tell people that all the time. They're like, "What yeah. what was going on with Chapman today?" I said he blew it. He kicked it around. He fumbled. Uh, at the two-and-a-half-yard line and then picked it up three times and still couldn't get it in. But he was he owned it, and he was fun with it. He let us bug him. It's the football equivalent of giving up a 20-yard pass and then just hitting your chest and be like, my bad. Yeah, and my like, bad. It's all right. Yeah, yeah no, bad. you're good. My that bad. makes up for yeah. it. And, and he lets you bug him about it. That's, yeah. the, that's, that's the other good thing. Like, butterfingers. Do they still call people butterfingers? Of course, yes. What if, what if you yeah. drop a pass now? What do they call a receiver? I think it's Butterfingers, but okay. that's, uh, you know, we're old. That's fine. We're going to yeah. use our parlance. We're totally old. Yes. Um, tell me about Barbie and what he's going to bring to the Knights. You're now on nickname level with him? Well, that was the thing yesterday when Panger came on and referenced Butchie. Um, yeah. I was all over the, the marshy Butchie Barbie. Well, Butchie, he's known forever. Barbie, he's covered for eight years. Right. You haven't met either one of them. So I'm not sure you have that. Like, what's what's the level of nickname usage? Uh, what gives you permission? Because if if you use the nickname and I'm in the room, does that allow me to know the nick use the nickname even though I don't know the person? That's a good question. Yeah, like what's? But the, I figure with pro athletes, we we once we hear it a couple of times, we can use it without being in front of them. Yeah, true. Uh, I like Butchie. I've never called uh, Butchie Butchie to his face. I call him Bruce to his face, but I call him Butchie all the time on on the air. Uh, I I think that that Barbashev uh, can fit in almost on any line. 
And and I mean that sincerely. He he can play with really good players. His last game in St. Louis, he was with Robert Thomas and he was with Pavel Buchnevich, two of their top players. And and he was effective. Uh, he he checks really well. He's a straight line player. He's easy for skilled guys to play with because they know what he's going to do, where he's going to be, and he's going to get them the puck or he's going to take out the players that are trying to get the puck uh, on, on the other team. He's going to get in the way with with a body check. So uh, uh, he can give you some energy if you want to do that on a uh, third or fourth line, and he can get the puck to good players on a top two line. So when, when Panger calls him a Swiss Army knife, he really is that. He's the bottle bottle opener, and he's the can opener, and he's the little uh, Ginsu knife uh, as well. He can do almost uh, uh, anything, and he can and he can put the puck in that if he gets a chance. So you've kind of hit on everything I've read, right? Depth, you know, yeah. third, fourth line, versatility. So it, it, versatility, versatility is the word that that summarizes him most completely. So is is what they gave up for versatility and depth worth it? What is the piece that they shipped off here? And in a few years, it's going to be something where know. is that really worth the piece that they shipped off? I don't know. Like I, I, I watch Zach Dean, and and I like Zach Dean. Uh, he's a good defenseman, but I can't tell you. And that's why a rebuilding teams want these these picks is because uh, more draft picks and in young players is because they can shape them in their own mold within their organization's uh, desire. But as far as the top end talent, I, I think Zach Dean will play in the National Hockey League. Uh, is he going to win Norris trophies? No. Is he going to contend for Norris trophies? No. But he could he have a 15-year career? He, he could. Uh, but I don't know the exact extent of it. But if you're trying to win now and and make a long playoff run, he's going to uh, – Barbershev's going to do a heck of a lot more for you than, than Zach Dean or a pick. Darren Millard with Cofield and Company from AT&T Sportsnet. And, of course, the VGK Insider Show. All right, what happened last night? Before we get back to uh, more Barbie, what happened last night against the Avs? Really strange game, to be honest. Uh, they're the best player was the goaltender who happened to make a blunder 14 seconds into the game that had you chasing for the entire game for 59 minutes and 46 seconds. So uh, trying to reconcile the goaltender being a stud and the fact that he gave up the and cost you the, the winning goal against in the first 15 seconds is, is difficult to do. Uh, in, in between that, there wasn't a lot of offensive push. They had 10 shots at the 10-minute mark, guys, of the first period. They had 14 shots for the next 40 minutes. They they lost their mojo for a while. I, I love the word that Alec Martinez used, stagnant. They got a little stagnant uh, last night. Now, they, they had points in nine straight games, so they were due for something like this, and Colorado's playing easily their best hockey of the year and they got beat by a couple of goals by colorado's top goal scorer and point producer right now so uh it, it wasn't one of those stinkers uh by any means but uh it was disappointing because you only allowed two goals on your goaltender it, it was somewhat there for the taking they just didn't have that offensive jump that we've seen in the last nine games how many games in a row will aiden hill have to play now I don't know uh, that, to be honest. We were talking about it in the flight home. Uh, I, I think based on uh, the injury reserve and, and the different things that are going on with uh, Logan Thompson and Laurent Bressois, I think Michael Hutchinson gets a start if they don't make a move. 
between now and Friday at noon. I'm going to put you on the spot. This is not a minute answer, but, but, but I just I just want to hear what you're thinking. What's going to happen with the RSNs with the NHL? Don't know. And I, I'm totally honest with that because yeah. I had a conversation 15 minutes before I walked in the building with somebody about that. And the same answer keeps coming around. Uh, it's going to take, uh, at the very least, uh, maybe a, a year. And at the earliest, uh, maybe maybe couple of weeks I, I i don't know what where that is headed and i wish i had an answer for you because it make me feel better of course yeah, yeah. i mean it, it completely affects you yeah, we call were... letters when i'm going to break baby gotta yeah. know them yeah darren we appreciate it thanks I for setting us straight on ari we'll, i uh, love we'll, you guys we'll see you face to face at some point in the ari future. and i no. are gonna go for a beer you don't love me you don't know me <laughs>